Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. That was a new intro. This is uh, Sound and Vision. It's been a New York minute. We're back after a little hiatus. Life got in the way. Um, but we have revamped this show. It is a new show. You may be joining us for the first time. You may be that avid one listener we already have. But the show slightly changed. However, before we get into that... I'm going to introduce uh, my guest this week, which is once again the infamous film director Luke Martin. Say hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. How are you? <laughs> Not bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me on again. Ah, it's, it's amazing. I always like you coming on the show. You know your films, which is always nice. Don't get me wrong. Most of my guests do, but there are a few which kind of just glide through, whereas you, I can go in depth with conversation, which is nice. Oh, you, could, you put me under pressure now. <laughs> I'm probably going to have, have an absolute nightmare. Balls and, it up. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Forget, forget all of the the trivia and, and, and knowledge and, and quotes. Lighting, sound editing, who? Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but the theme for this week, the way that the show works, so the theme this week is uh, your day-to-day work, essentially. Hollywood has done something fascinating in the sake that they've made something mundane somehow interesting. And we're going to dabble in a few films with regards to that. Now, the way that the show works from this point on is as followed. Both myself and Luke have chosen two films. I will give you three bits of trivia. Then a bespoke bit of music. Um, We'll play for about 40 seconds to a minute. Then after that, we'll come back. We'll reveal what the film is. Discuss it for a bit. Then Luke will have his go. And we'll do this twice over each. That's the basic plot. You can also join in at home, etc., etc., etc. So, before we do, though, day-to-day work, as I said, can be rather mundane, usual, 9 to 5, depending on whatever you're doing, builder, office work, etc., doctor. And somehow Hollywood does it by making it funny or serious or dramatic. It's a fantastic concept to be able to make interesting don't you think yeah certainly and like you say there are certain genres that hollywood or the film industry leans towards to depict those stories and it's usually comedy either romantic comedy or 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 dark yeah you know black comedy um every now and then you might get a psychological thriller someone you know in a mundane job that that they're bored out their mind and they're leaning towards something like a vice that, that, to get their kicks. Like um, American Psycho, that's another good that one. Kind that kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Which again is a black comedy, but mm. with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> loony elements. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, we, we go to we go to see films, don't we, to, to kind get of entertain us. Yeah, exactly, a bit of escapism. So if they're going to depict something as mundane as 9 to 5... They like to put a little uh, twist a on, it. on it. Yeah. yeah, 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 which makes sense, obviously. But it's good. I enjoy it. Um, and my two choices, I thoroughly enjoy his films. One I only saw recently and was completely blown away by the 180, uh, which happens in it. But we'll go into detail about that a little bit later. I'm going to move on to my trivia. One of the promotions for this film invited people in certain cities to watch and participate in a bashing of office equipment. There was also an internet campaign, but linked to a website where people could expose their bad bosses. That's trivia one. Trivia two. In one memorable scene, Michael Bolton laments having the same name as the singer, calling him a no-talent ass clown. 
In 2015, the real Michael Bolton appeared in a Funny or Die video in which he was digitally inserted into several scenes from the movie, replacing his namesake character. He repeated the lines verbatim, with one exception, he called himself an extremely talented ass clown. And finally, trivia free, the iconic red stapler used by Milton was created for the film by the prop department. They needed a bright enough colour to be seen on film and chose red. After the film was released, Swingline began to receive requests from customers for red staplers. Having stopped offering several years before, they made the decision to start offering the colour once more. Now just off the back of that, Luke actually doesn't know what mine is. Do you have any inclination? The only one I can think of, and I haven't seen it, I, I, am I allowed to say it? No, 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 no just no. in case, but you, you uh, I have, have, I have a film in mind I think this might be. Um, I'm wondering, can I ask if a certain actor or actress yes, is in this? Yes, you can. And will you say yes or no? Yes. Is Jennifer Aniston in this? She is in okay, it. Okay, yes, I, I, I know. You know this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, we'll be back after this. Time's up. Luke, what was your guess? Uh, horrible Bosses. I think I'm wrong, though. It's not Horrible Bosses, no. Yeah. It's actually, uh, we're going back a little bit further, back in time to the year 99. So she's midway through her friend's limelight. It's actually for the film called Office Space. Okay, no, uh, which I haven't seen it. Which is a fantastically funny film. Completely went under the radar in cinema um, and then game, gained a cult following on VHS, that's how old school it is. And the basic premise is that there is a man um, who works in an office job, hates his job, it's mundane, doesn't like it, it's not enjoyable. And he goes to a hypnotherapist and this hypnotherapist puts him under and before, you know, the whole one, two, three, you're back in a room and that lot, says that you're zen, you're calm, you no longer care about those certain issues which you have, etc, etc. But before he brings him back into the room... He has a heart attack, the hypnotherapist, <laughs> which means he, this guy, the, the worker, is never out of this zen-like state. He goes back into work, literally not caring. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to go in today. I can't be asked with this, whatever. Um, doesn't care if he gets fired or not. But in doing so, he somehow gets promoted. Meanwhile, the two friends of his, who are extremely hardworking but also hate their jobs, get fired. And it's the turn on that, how the three of them work together to try and destroy the corporation. It's really funny. Um, the main guy, who his name has f- left my head for the life of me, falls in love with Jennifer Aniston. He finds out that she slept with someone from his office who is his boss. It's outrage, but it's comedy. It's really funny. The soundtrack... But he's still in a zen state at this point. Yeah. So, so the, he's outraged, but he... He doesn't show it. Exactly that. <laughs> and it is three 
very nerdy guys and the soundtrack is pure hip-hop 90s dirty hip-hop as well so it completely throws you out as well but it's a fantastic film um the poster is wonderful as well it's such a nice poster it is uh, a single man in a white drop background you can't see the man because he's just covered in post-it notes it's a fantastic poster really really well done mm. you haven't seen this no never never seen it oh, it's amazing never it's uh it. there's a character called milton as well which is based uh how office space was made it was uh, a short which was created prior to this and then they made it into a feature length film yeah fantastic absolutely wonderful film really enjoyable comedy 100 percent. that happens quite often um it's called a proof of concept. You you, you, ah. you make a short with the idea for it to be a feature, okay. so that you make it and then you can take it to students and say, "Look, this is short, but uh, the story should be do. bigger." And, and it's called a proof of concept. And, and um, yeah, that happens. That happens a lot. So amazing. So they obviously had the full story in mind when they made the short. They didn't, they probably just didn't make the short and then thought, "Oh, we can extend it now." Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely need to check it out. I mean. It's certainly one I haven't heard of. Like you said, it's gone under the radar. Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, I'm not huge on my rom-coms, if I'm being honest. Is, mm. it, is it a rom-com? Uh, no, I mean, there's some romantic it Sounds like a comedy it. with, with it romantic is more, elements. Um, but the main focus of this, um, the most iconic scene is when they take a printer and the printer is constantly breaking in the office and they take it away. Like every office. Yeah, exactly that. It's the classic printer breaking, printer breaking. They basically take the printer without anyone noticing, go to a field and just bash it with a baseball bat. They're kicking it and they're right. all their anger and frustration. That's why the, the the marketing campaign was video yourself smashing up a bingo. Yeah. Okay. That's absolutely, and it it just hit the nail on my head to every single person who's worked in an office environment, good or bad. There's normally going to be some bad moments as well, yeah. and. As you as you there's said, that, there's that famous clip, isn't there? I think it was a German guy, and he's at, at his desk. I think it's real, and he's typing his keyboard, and it's not working. It was like CCTV footage. Oh, he just launches it. He picks up the keyboards, <laughs> smashing his screen pieces, and then picks up the screen and launches it across the room. And you just see this head from the opposite kind of bank of desk <laughs> just pop up to see what's going on and then you know, retreat back into yeah. you know like uh heads in world war Two between <laughs> in the trenches you know but um yeah it's a situation you'll definitely recognize if if you watch it but yeah, yeah i'd highly recommend it office, office space. space okay i'll give it a go good Thank film you. enjoyable very easy to watch yeah who's the main guy mm, oh, i'll think about it in a bit sure I remember his name at some point. He's not one who's overly well-known. He's been mm. in a few things, to be fair. One of those faces from the 90s, late 90s. Who and kind then of, disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get that a lot. He's you? one of those. Jennifer Anderson is the only person in that film who's still current. Sure, sure. Like you, like you say, it was around the time. Well, I mean, she was in Friends from mid-90s up to then. Up to 2004. So she, yeah, but she'd made a name for herself by then. So I would expect some other names to be in it but like you say she probably wasn't at the level yeah oh yeah she's definitely a bit part in this right and and i imagine it was a medium budget film and they yeah, probably couldn't afford low budget and then nothing wrong with that though no, no, I no, mean, no. plenty of films whereby the cast is either not well known or, or, or the budget's small yeah and and they've kind of found tv actors or, or whatnot but um i'll certainly give it a go yeah Speaking of budget being small, we're going just on a slight tangent. 
Um, but the Joker's coming out recently. Looks amazing. Looks amazing. Extremely small budget as mm. well, which means that it's going to make all the money anyway. I mean, it's got like people saying Oscar nods potentially. Which... I think I watched that trailer and I thought there's there's going to be some Oscars here, mainly for Wacking Phoenix's performance. Mm. You could tell straight away this guy's in line, and we know we know Wacking Phoenix. He's, he's got the caliber anyway from Massive. Gladiator to Walk the Line. Like the guy is. A sensational actor. Oh, he's wonderful. Um, I saw that trailer and his physique, the amount of weight he lost, you're thinking, you're comparing that to Christian Bale losing weight for certain roles. Machinist, yep. Um, You know, I'm thinking Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, you know. Oh, wow, yeah. It plays a part, right? When Mm. when you've got a fantastic actor who can put in performance and they are willing to do that kind of method acting whereby they lose weight and they're going to put that much commitment in, that that adds something. Massively. Um, uh, they have to have the performance as well, but oh yeah, he's 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 going to be well up there. One hundred percent. He he was saying in interviews as well because they were like, "What are you taking from other jokers?" And he was like, "Absolutely nothing." Because as soon as I do that, I'm going to be mirrored to the other mm. people. Rather than do that, I'm just going to take it off my own accord, go down my own line, and see where it takes me. Well, I mean, you know me. You know, I'm not big on superhero films no. at all. I watched that trailer and I was instantly. Instantly interested, I was like, "I'm going to see that." Well, it's not because a it's, is yeah, it? it's it's not it, even a comic book film. It's, it's a character study on on how society can can play a part in someone breaking down and losing touch with reality, and you know how society can beat someone down so much, mm. and then suddenly the hate that fills in their heart, and the, the 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 desire for revenge. To do you know what I mean? Um, that's a fascinating. I mean. There's been some controversy in the news about about that massively, um, but I think I think you know if if a medium can portray that side, then film film is that medium. Comedy and, and film are those mediums, and I don't think we've seen something like that. I mean, maybe something like I don't know, falling down with Michael Douglas. I don't know if you've ever seen that about you know how someone can snap, um, but this looks like a real kind of. It looks it, it, you know what I got from that trade us it's about a character who's broken and, and damaged inside yeah. but I got instantly this is about society mm-hmm. society's broken well by the looks of the trailer as well it's not just him by the end of it there's many many other people who join yeah. his understanding his logic as well so it'd and, be interesting to see how he incorporates them into that as well and it's by doing that it's just going to give a whole new layer to the character of the Joker that you've never seen before well that's it his background has always been unwritten you, you've had some brief inclinations you know in certain aspects you've seen him being the one who killed Bruce's parents. Yes. You know, but that was but he's always bad. already been a lunatic at that yeah, point, a, a criminal, absolutely. an evil you know, criminal mastermind. This, I think you're going to see his human side from the start and how he's obviously a little bit unstable originally, but there's still a bit of humanity and then society whatnot ignores him. He's mm. invisible to, to, to everyone and completely lose it. And I think... Yeah. I think that's why there's been some controversy. Yeah, massively. You know, a few few critics have said, "How can you humanise someone so evil?" And with the, how can you humanise the violence or justify the violence? That kind of thing. But you know, I feel it, like that's a massive achievement to humanise. Humans evil. don't just become evil for no yeah, reason. There exactly. are factors at play. There's the story another side, behind it, right? And I think that's that's really what's fascinating about it to me. I can't wait to see it. It looks great. 
I uh, I found a little snippet of information which intrigued me even more with regards to his laugh as well. Uh, so you've the high pitched, laugh. yeah, the high pitched. Um, his laugh in this film is a Tourette, which right. I think is a brilliant idea. Like completely, that idea wouldn't have even prior um, even fabricated in my mind, and yet that's how they're going with this. So yeah. it's almost like a nervous twitch for him, and he does yeah. his laugh. Hence, why in the trailer he's laughing and then. Just like that, he goes deadpan and he stops laughing. And he carries yeah. on walking, and it's because it's a Tourette. Absolutely genius. Yeah. And this is the guy from The Hangover as well, Todd Phillips, who's not known for stuff no. like this, yeah. and yet he's managed to do this as well. Absolutely amazing. I've got extremely high hopes. I've got my fingers well and truly crossed that this is going to be as sensational as it looks. I mean, I went to see um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a couple of weeks back. And I, I was disappointed, oh, you know. Yeah, me and you both, mate. But I saw the trailer and I, I thought, this looks amazing. And mm. I, I'm hoping I'm not going to get that same experience. The Joker looks fantastic. I, I, I've got high hopes. Hopefully it will, you know, come it's to fruition. It's the trailers though, isn't it? They show you the world and you get it and you're well, like, oh, this is Well, shots can, shots can look beautiful, but it's all about story. And the trailer can show you beautiful shots and give you a snippet of a story. Mm-hmm. But it can be very misleading, like you say. And so... I'm hoping the performance Whacking Phoenix is going to be nothing short of spectacular. Oh, yeah. um, let's hope the, the story is coherent and tight. And, and if it is, I think we could have fireworks. <gasps> it, it, cinematography looks sensational. Oh, it so. really does. It looks amazing. Absolutely excited for it. But we've gone off on a tangent. Yes. I apologise. Um, so that was, um, prior to The Joker, my first film, Office Space. If you haven't seen it, give it a watch. If you have seen it, rewatch it. Certainly will. What is your trivia? So, Scott, I'm going to butcher his name here. So, Scott Neustadtler, who was one of this film's screenwriters, Mm -hmm. based this romantic comedy on his own experiences with a girl. And he he estimates that 75% of the film actually happened to him. Wow. Trivia 2. In the original screenplay, the lead female character was depicted as having cropped blonde hair mm-hmm. to construct her more seasonal-like persona. Ah. So a couple of clues there. Blonde hair and seasonal-like persona should give, you know... Oh, that's anyone, nice. Anyone who, like that. anyone who likes puzzles, they might be able to figure this out. And then this clue, uh, Trivia 3, should should really help here. So uh, Zoe Deschanel mm. and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who appear in this particular film, had also appeared alongside each other, manic together, in 2001. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't actually seen that either. But, um, yeah, so they'd obviously worked together before. And I think that lends well, because in this particular film that, that we're talking about, their chemistry is fantastic. Oh, they work so well. Yeah. Such a cute couple. Yes, yes, most definitely. Fantastic. Okay, we'll be back after this.
so. Uh, I, you, you know this film. Do you want yeah. to say? Oh, oh, go on, you, you can dish it out. Well, I, th- I think it's quite obvious. This is 500 Days of Summer. A wonderful film. Yes. Um, can you give us the basic plot? Yeah, it's, uh, it's about a guy, a young guy called Tom, and he works for like a greetings card company. And it's quite a hip, kind of modern, you know, company. And everyone, everyone there you know, really loves their jobs. They, they, they obviously create greeting cards and sayings within cards, etc. But you instantly get the feeling that Tom is, Tom wants to be an architect. That's what he studied. But he's ended up, I think, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think initially he says, you know, it was supposed to be a stopgap and he's kind of just ended up there. Yeah. And he hasn't had the, the you know, the catalyst or, or uh, inclination to move and pursue his original dream so he's you know at the end of his tether a bit bored his dreams are fading and then one day this this girl starts called summer and then as soon as he meets her his his world you know lightens up and uh, in in his eyes she gives him a new reason for living right new burst yeah yeah exactly and it's about his kind of what he perceives as his love for summer and and a relationship between the two forms and and uh, you know everything's rosy, but then you know things don't kind of turn out the way that Tom really wants, and and you know and there is. Do you want me to say the whole thing? Or, or yeah, I mean, the heartbreak is there, absolutely. Well, I mean, it starts off well, but it doesn't end to. A, someone basically says that she's not not in love with him, and and yeah. he has to deal with that rejection and. and and so in in his eyes he's in love with her but the film's not really about that it's right. about it's it's his perception of her right she, it's 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 he doesn't really he, he's not really in love with her it's just what he sees her to be yeah absolutely he has he's a blinded. persona of her yeah he he he's in love with the idea of her mm. the dream of her and um, I feel, and I feel like that's key with this film you you could go into this film or see the poster or just a bit of a trailer and just assume that this is going to be a rom-com mm. but it's not and that's why I, I said to you earlier I'm not into rom-coms but when I saw this it's not a typical rom-com it's mm. deeper than that oh so much so um, and uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't realise until the end that actually she's right he wasn't really in love with her it's yeah. just that her starting there gave him a new lease of life um, so uh, yeah it's kind of I don't know. It's it's a very, it's a very clever, clever film. It's deeper than just your usual, t- you know, typical rom com that's very predictable at the end. They 100%. don't end up together, but he learns. He kind of grows from the experience, and 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 leaves the the greeting cards company, and finally goes to pursue what he wants to do, which is become an architect and goes for a job interview, a, a firm to be an architect, which is you know. A nice Hollywood ending, so. yeah. And it, it is cheesy at the end because he meets a girl in the in the waiting room, you know, a cute girl, and yeah, gets chat to her, and her name's Autumn, which <laughs> Autumn follows Summer, you know. So a bit of a cheesy ending, but um, yeah, I'm big. I'm a big fan of it. It's got some fantastically well timed comedic moments. You know, when when he meets her and he's on cloud nine and he's walking through the park and then suddenly oh, he starts God, dancing yeah. and ev- all the randoms in the park, just general pedestrians and bystanders, start joining in with the dance. It's little. Little uh, clever moments like that. It reminds me of. Uh, have you ever seen the film Enchanted with Amy Adams? Um, Disney film. It's when she's a cartoon princess and she comes into New York. So, right. Um, I haven't seen. So she's it. an animated, and then she comes into this right. world essentially. Oh, okay. And there's a moment when she's dancing in the park, and everyone else is dancing around, and this one guy is standing there, just going, 
how do I know all the words? How yeah. do I know the dance? Yeah. When I saw that as well, I was just thinking, how do I know all the words? Yeah, how yeah. And obviously it's a figment of his imagination, but still, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and you could argue that in, in this particular moment where he starts dancing, everyone in the park is dancing, that that's a figment of his imagination. Mm. It kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit, you know. It does, doesn't it's, it? it, it but it, it works because it's a comedy, and yeah. and I like that aspect of this film, that, that it's, it's, it's a bit off the wall. Massive. Um, Good soundtrack as well. Great soundtrack, great soundtrack. Must Very indie, indie, sound. yeah, indie kind of soundtrack 100%. bands, you know. Um, it's got a great New York feel to it, New York bands. Um, Do you get that vibe? Yes, yeah. And, uh, yeah, love the film. There was a moment in it where I was really enjoying the film and then this particular moment happened, I was like, oh, I think I'm in love with Summer. <laughs> and it's the bit where they go out for some drinks after work mm-hmm. and they're in a karaoke bar. And she goes up to to do her song. She does her song, and he's kind of mesmerised by by her. <laughs> and she comes and sits back down. And, but he hasn't really spoken to her yet. But his, his colleague knows, you know. So his colleague is like, <laughs> his colleague's drunk and keeps dobbing it, dobbing in it, you know. Like, oh, Tom really likes you. He you know, he's getting embarrassed. And they're talking about, you know, you know, her song choice for karaoke. And she says, oh yeah, thanks. You know, I wanted to do Born to Run. You know. Um, Bruce Springsteen, you know, I want to do Springsteen, Born to Run, and he's like, "Oh yeah, great song, great song," and uh, and she says, "Yeah, I love Springsteen. I I named my cat after him." And Tom's like, "Oh yeah, what'd you call him?" Yeah, she <laughs> says, well, "Bruce." <laughs> you know, it's but I love that because obviously I'm a big Bruce Springsteen Huge fan. Springsteen and when she fan. said that in the film, I was like, oh, "This girl is amazing," you know. Um, I love her. Yeah, but it's a great moment in that bit because because. You know, we've all done it. You know, there's a girl you like and you want to impress. 100%. And in that moment, she says, like, oh, I, I love I love Springsteen. I named my... Oh, no, she says, I, I, I love Springsteen. And Tom goes, oh, I love Springsteen too. He's great, isn't he? <laughs> he and she goes, yeah, I, I named I named my cat after him. And he's like, oh, what do you call him? Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, Tom, you don't love Springsteen, do you? You don't know his first name. But uh, and it's that really embarrassing moment where he was obviously lying because he likes it. Um, but there's little moments like that. Um and you know we've all been there as a girl you like and then Massively. and then you, th- you you think it's all going to be rosy and it turns out you know maybe she doesn't feel the way that's how. so it's kind of speaks to a lot of guys but you understand where she's coming from oh yeah he doesn't really listen to her no he's not really no he's just in it's an infatuation with the idea of her it's the image of her yeah um, what she does to other people around her as opposed to yes their connection everyone who meets her she lights up the room and that kind of thing and that lights up his life yeah he's only interested in his life being lit up he's not really interested in her like a moth to a flame yeah that kind of thing so it's very clever it's very clever but it's a really enjoyable film um if you haven't seen it give it a watch um i haven't seen it in a while either and i, mm. I feel like i'm gonna sit down and rewatch it because it is a good film there's some low moments but that's what happens when heartbreak happens in films yeah. but overall it ends well and they work well as a couple they do they have fantastic chemistry there's a great moment where they go to Ikea they, yep. they spend an, uh, you know, an afternoon out with each other and they go to Ikea and they're laying there on, on the bed and I think that was one of the posters of them two lying on the I bed I think so well. yeah and she, they're staring at each other and she, she says Tom I don't know how to say this but there's an Asian couple in our kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> and they turn because <laughs> it's IKEA, and it's, you know, was, that's, that's great, great comedic writing, fantastic it's, writing, things like that. Um, yeah, but uh, great film, highly recommended. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go on to my second film. Clue one. Boots Riley was the lead vocalist for the hip-hop group The Coop. He made the album, which is the name of this film, in 2012, which he then used in the movie, meaning he effectively made the soundtrack seven years before the film. Clue two, drove you two. At one point, Detroit wears a pair of earrings with the phrases, bury the rag and deep in your face. These are lyrics from The Loathsome Death of Hattie Carroll by Bob Dylan, which is a protest song about a poor African-American woman murdered by a wealthy white woman. And clue three, the name of the main character, Cassius Cash Green, is a reference to what motivates him for much of a movie, The Pursuit of Wealth. Do you have any inclination? Yes, I think I know what this is. Fantastic, because this was a complete 180 when I watched this film, which is fantastic. You go in expecting one thing, and it ends completely different. Um, And we will go into that after this. Um, so Luke's I'm wrong again I I, I misheard when you said 2012 yes I thought thought, so I thought you know it came out the album came out 2005 and but but so um, do you have any idea now now that you know that it came out well my initial thought and I don't think I'm not sure if my initial thought came out 2012 it's around about then but my initial thought was Pursuit of Happiness wonderful film great film great film um a, really a little bit, a little bit overdone in terms of oh. you know it's a Hollywood movie and and you you get a little bit of that brutal um, moment in the subway toilet. Oh yeah, where he holds. Oh, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that with is, his kid is, holding yeah. his ears, that is horrible. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that film. You know, mm. it, was, it was a good solid eight out of ten for me. Don't feel like it's one of those films I never need to watch again, though. Yeah, I've seen it two or three times really? but yeah, and, and I know what you mean now I've seen it three times I probably don't need to see it again Will Smith is very good in it I, I yeah. think Will Smith is a good actor I wouldn't call him a great actor and I, that's one of his best performances I think I've seen him give because yeah. he really you know, finally puts on a really good emotional performance uh, he can overdo it at times Will Smith with his emotion anyway I saw I um, I saw uh, just quickly whilst we're on Will Smith as well there was uh, a Radio 1 interview with Sophie Turner and for whatever reason right. it was um unpopular opinion so it was an unpopular opinion that people have and greg davis was interviewing her and his unpopular opinion was that will smith peaked at fresh prince of bel-air which i was just like i don't know about peaked at fresh prince of bel-air i mean that's harsh he's acting in fresh prince there's a particular episode when his dad basically comes back and abandons him again it's a really heartfelt scene right at the end and you don't expect it from Fresh Prince because you know it's very light hearted mm. and funny and 
when she said that, I looked back into it and I was like, actually, that scene alone, I don't think I've seen him act like that since. Mm. He goes down the action and serious and stuff like that and he's wonderful. And it wasn't until Pursuit of Happiness when I saw that um, raw emotion yeah. again when I was like, wow, that man actually can act really yeah. well and he's not just the action comedy guy. He can do so much more as well. Sure, sure. Um, anyway, no, so I, I was wrong with that. Um, so uh, obviously you said seven years, 2012, so it came out this year. Mm -hmm. Start of this year. Start of this year. Back end, could have been December. December last year. December last year, start of this year. No? When did The Intern come out? No, that's... Wasn't The Intern. All right, I'll give it to you. It's Sorry to Bother You. Oh, okay. I, Joe, I haven't seen that. Oh, my God. Are you aware of this film? I've, I've heard of it, yes. I saw. Amazing concept. Um, I, in uh, many, many previous jobs, worked in a call centre. It's about a man who goes to work in a call centre job. African-American male goes in there and he's calling up uh, people. And at the start of it, what's fascinating about it is he's calling up these people, trying to sell them stuff. And each time he calls them, his desk collapses into the room in which the customer is in. So he's looking at them face to face whilst having a conversation with them. Right. So first guy he calls, he listens to him, he's like, oh, go away, putting it down. Second person, it's a woman having sex, and then he's awkwardly trying to look away whilst he's trying to sell this thing at the same time, and they put the phone down. And he keeps doing it over and over again. He's not getting any sales. And obviously he needs to because it's commission only. Danny Glover is sitting next to him and says, you're doing it all wrong. You are speaking to white people at this present point in time. You're trying to, And you are coming across as a black man. That's why it's not working. You need to stick on your white guy voice. And he's like, what? He goes then on the phone and this voice from nowhere pops up. Completely not his voice very white guy and he's like hi how are you today like re really really into it and that a lot and he's just sitting there and he's like this is amazing he then does it and it's david cross's voice as well he's that's his white guy voice that comes across so then he's on the phone he starts making all these sales and he's going up the ranks and that lot, and everyone thinks he's amazing and he's just going up and up and then he goes into like the mega league where they earn millions and millions per call and all that jazz and then the film takes a complete 180 and turns sci-fi. And you don't expect it at all because everything from the trailer, the music, what it looks like, it just looks like a funny comedy with a social commentary on the fact that, you know, or, although we're all meant to be equal, you still have to sound like a, a, a typical white male in yeah. order to get high up in the world and all that jazz. And I was going in with the interpretation that that was going to be it nope takes complete 180 and you are in this sci-fi twisted frankenstein like moment and it's no longer about call centers it's about people merging stuff with dna and you're like I, I, where did we get to this it, it just it's massively impressive the the ending is up there with some of the weirdest stuff i've ever seen um, you didn't watch it on VHS, did you? And someone's accidentally over <laughs> taped over the the oh, final quarter, through. yeah, <laughs> with Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that <laughs> makes sense. Why is Seven of Nine in this or Star Trek? What? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> and you're describing it to, to us now, and people are at home going, "What? I don't remember that bit." In sorry to believe. <laughs> um, and so it, it does a, a spoiler alert, but it does a from dusk till dawn moment. Complete turn. 
100%. It's such an odd ending to a film. Because for 50% of the film, it is about telemarketing and call centers and his rise of the ranks. But it's when he gets to the top and meets the CEO and what the CEO's into. He gets, he gets read into the special projects. Yeah, and the special <laughs> projects are out there. It's no longer about calling people. It's about something else entirely. And it just gets weird I'll give it a go but you don't but you don't expect it at all that's what's brilliant about it they they kept it so much under the radar and I don't want to tell you what the twist is but it's, oh, it's just so out there it's it's amazing yeah. to see that it, it worked as well it's an enjoyable yeah. film and I'd re-watch it as well um, the only big name in it other than Glover is Tessa Thompson oh yeah she is uh, Detroit who is uh, the main guy's partner basically okay. uh, she's the one wearing the earrings uh, with uh, Bob Dylan lyrics other than that no one else bigger no I thought Tessa Thompson was a British actress really because I saw her in one of the Thor films Thor Ragnarok yep and her accent in that oh yeah she it has is, a British, British accent and it's so spot on mm. I hadn't really I'd seen her in Creed prior to that um but then once I saw, you know, it was the only other film I'd seen her in. Once I saw her in Thor Ragnarok, I was like, oh, she's a British actress and she's doing an American accent in Creed. Because, I don't know what you think about it, but I didn't think Creed was that great. I haven't seen Creed. Um, I th- well, I know, oh, yeah, you're not a Rocky fan. But, no, but um, you're one of a small majority who didn't enjoy Creed then. I but- thought it was average and I saw the second one I thought the second one was poor. Oh, um, wow. I thought the second one was exceptionally boring. I thought the first one was average. Um... But that's another discussion. But I was convinced she was, because her, her accent in um, for Ragnarok was so spot on, mm. and because I thought she was, you know, average in, in Creed, I thought she was British. And then I soon recently found out she's actually American. Yeah, she, she does an amazing British accent. Um, so, and I've since discovered that she's actually a really good actress. Yeah, she's but, really good. She's but, brilliant in this as well. Yeah. Well, I'll give it a go. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, sorry to bother you. It's got a brilliant poster. It's um, this guy with a bandage on his head and he's just looking at you with a phone next to his ear. And, I mean, just watch the trailer alone. It speaks for itself because the trailer doesn't give anything away. You you go in with the assumption, which I did, it's just pure comedy on a horrible situation when you're in a call centre and the rising of the ranks. You'd like to be a fly on the wall. When those actors are indoors reading the script, right, and they get to that page, and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, have we got these scripts muddled what? up? Ray gun? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you kind of would. You would get to it, and you're like, have we mixed scripts? You would assume, but it is the Star Trek moment. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica, what's going on there? It is complete 180. So, yeah, recommended massively. Um, yeah, it went under the radar as well. It went out in cinema didn't get around to seeing it wasn't in cinema for that long and now it's come out on sky so i watched it oh it's on sky movies yeah on yeah funny enough okay, i watched we'll it um another film which had Can a we say sky movies on this mm, well we did yeah. um <laughs> with a similar concept of um a black male putting on a white guy voice which was black Klansman. i also oh, watched that recently it. as well both came out as well uh, the start of this year back end of last year with the same concept of um, a, an African-American male mm. pretending to be a white guy on the phone. Well, that's based on a true story, though. Yeah. And that, have you seen that? 
I haven't. <laughs> I've got so many films to watch. That was. I've heard it's very good. I, I was amazed by it in the film. Yeah. It's genius from start to finish. When you think about it, it's an amazing thing that occurred. Yeah. yeah. You know, that they this, actually sent... This guy, because he uses his real name, so he gets to a point when he's got not a loyalty card, a membership card of being a member of the white supremacy, mm. which... He's he's a black man and he's yeah. done that. He so sends his colleague though. To, yeah, so he he's sends Adam Driver. Adam right, Driver yeah. is the guy who pretends to be like this hillbilly redneck yeah. guy going, oh no, I hate him and all that jazz and that lot. And he's telling him exactly what to say the entire time. Yeah, And it's absolutely amazing. Really, really, really clever film. Mm. I'd highly rate Again, that's on Sky. It's well. definitely on my list of things to see. Mm. It's a good um, film. Really yeah, enjoyable. I'll certainly give it a go. Yeah. Okay, so that's my two choices. We're going to go now to Luke's final film. Okay, I don't think anyone's really going to get this film. But it sounds so, so intriguing. And yes. Such a this, funny take. This on, one went under the radar. Yeah, on the mundane life as well. Again, I've, for something which happens quite often mm. for what I've seen from the trailer of this film yes. it's a really good interpretation we, can, of we it. can talk about that later mm-hmm. certainly but, okay trivia one so this film was shot in 18 days and was the directorial debut of George Huang who was convinced to make this film by Robert Rodriguez mm. and as I understand it George Huang was um, he was an assistant to a producer at the time and uh, Huang was very um, disillusioned and despondent with how the Hollywood industry was overlooking him. And he spoke to Robert Rodriguez, and Robert Rodriguez said, look, leave your job as your assistant, because he was being... Undermined. Undermined, yeah, I was going to say an expletive there, something on. But, uh, yeah, he was undermined is better um, by, you know, said producer, and he wasn't getting anywhere, wasn't working his way up. And he had ideas, and they were getting overlooked. So Rodrigo said, "Look, leave it. Write your script, and and you know I'll help you put it forward." And he did, and you know, um, the film got optioned. Amazing. Uh, trivia two. So uh, uh, the one of the main characters, a chap by the name of Buddy Ackman, uh, was inspired by real life movie mogul Joel Silver, who was a producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he produced a, a number of films. I think. I think. Predator, I think he produced. Um, I think he produced maybe one of the Lethal Weapons or Die Hard. A few action films he, he mainly produced. Jobs okay, over. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it was inspired by real-life movie mogul Joel Silver, whom George Huang used to work for as his assistant. Um, and then Trivia 3, uh, so Kevin Spacey, who stars as Buddy Ackerman, um, playing a, a movie producer... And Benicio del Toro, who's in it, got a small part, also worked in The Usual Suspects a year later in '95. So Amazing. this film came out in '94, um, and it stars Kevin Spacey, uh, trapped by the name of Frank Wally, who is the main guy, and uh, another guy who was a '90s actor and has yeah, dissipated. He, yeah, his career kind of—you still see him pop up here and there. You'd recognise his face. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, and like I say, Benicio de Toro is quite young, has a small part in it. That's amazing. Fantastic. We'll go on to the final track and then we'll be back. 
interesting choice of music there we were discussing and you you said you'd chosen it because it was you know darker piece and yeah and this film you know it fits it yeah i mean this is a black comedy this film but it has some dark moments in it uh and it's a 1994 film called swimming with sharks which is not about a man swimming with no. sharks which i'm disappointed the, about the, the shark in question is the hollywood movie producer played by kevin spacey <laughs> and the person swimming with him is a, is a um a guy a character called guy played by um frank wally and uh guy is a um a film school graduate and he gets a you know a job working in an office for a hollywood producer as his assistant mm. so he's working for buddy ackerman and buddy ackerman is a nasty piece of work basically he's been in the industry a while and he treats everyone like dirt and guy comes in and has to do everything for him collect his you know dry cleaning but he suffers a torrent of abuse from buddy okay and Guy can't figure out why is he so horrible and, you know, everyone's like, well, that's just his way, you know, he gets what he wants, you know. Uh, and Buddy just abuses his power and and the film gets to a point where Guy's had so much he can take, he ends up kidnapping Buddy and tying him up and he uh, <laughs> he, he he deals him a dose of his own medicine. Um, but like I say, it's a black comedy so it has some extremely funny moments in it. Yeah. But I think the film's interesting because it came out in '94. Which is what a good twenty five twenty five years ago, um, but it highlights you know the abuse of power that takes place and has probably taken place Recent since the dawn years. of Hollywood. But it highlights it even more since you know the revelation with Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, etc. Um, so it's 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 even more relevant today, I, I think, massively and. We, we were saying prior to the show, it's it's quite interesting considering, you know, they were never to know, but obviously Kevin Spacey being in that situation yeah, of abusing ironic. power. It's ironic. It's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder whether, you know, Spacey took the part because he was quite <laughs> um, in I, touch with, you yeah, know. I actually agree with how this guy's doing this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the film bombed at the um, at the box office. Definitely went under the radar. I mean, even but the trailer, it looks very it, low it budget. It bombed, yeah, it bombed. But the critics were very complimentary on it, you know. Um, really? And one of, the, one of the things they were complimentary about was Spacey's performance. He is great in it. He is great. And maybe he's tapping into some... Just he was a standard life for us. Yeah, it's like, hey, exactly. I'm this guy. Some personal experiences and some, you know, amazing acting. Yeah. Oh, I'm acting, am I? Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's just just my traits. <laughs> I mean, he he throws paper clips at, at uh, a guy throughout the film. You know, because oh, worthless. Wow. He tells one character they're going to end up as a a shoe salesman. He's going to fire <laughs> fire them, and they'll just end up as a shoe salesman, which is interesting. I think um, whether that was written in at the request of Kevin Spacey or whether it was ad-libbed because apparently a bit of trivia that Kevin Spacey before he became an actor he was a shoe salesman really? um, so you know I don't think that's any coincidence that that was a line that he says but um, he fl- I think he flicks elastic bands at, 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 at a guy you know when he comes in total ass then he's, he's horrible he's horrible um, and he gets his just desserts but the, the ending is very interesting because Buddy Spacey's character basically says to him look yeah I may have treated you like dirt but there's a reason I I did that 
I had my fair share when I was starting off, you know, and I've, I've dealt it to you and now you have the right to do it to someone else. And that's how this system works, you know. Um, you, he says you need me. You needed me to make you into what you are now so that you can move your way up. This is a dog-eat-dog industry, you know. Um, you were too soft. I've made you hardened. Now, you, now you're ready to... Um, and the film ends with Guy becoming like buddy and getting his own he becomes like a producer and gets his own assistant and he's horrible to his assistant you know get my coffee doesn't like the coffee i think he pours it or you know pours it over him that kind of oh, thing oh wow so it's a real insight into how you know movie, movie producers moguls. whatnot they yeah they 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 get this kind of power sh- shift and mm. it goes to their head and they treat people like filth i'm i'm curious to know so if he kidnaps kevin spacey Hmm. How can you then go back and be like, "It's all right, we'll just carry on working, shall you know we?" What? I haven't seen this in a number of years, but if memory serves, he, he ends up letting him go. He he does like things like, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the film for people that haven't seen it and you haven't seen it, but he like, um, I think he puts paper clips. He gives his eyelids paper clips, and his lips paper clips, and then pours like lime juice on him, like really tortures it, Kevin oh. Spacey. Um, wow. But does it over a certain amount of time that, that space you can say, look, yeah, I treat you badly, but you needed it, that kind of thing. And he, he brings Guy onto his side of understanding. His logic. So that he decides to let him go. And there's an agreement that, you know, if he lets him go, he'll let him get, get promotion and move up. The, and it's yeah, all so about. can get rid of him. Yeah. And the film's all about various characters doing what they need to do to make them way up get to the top yeah 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 there's a there's a female character and it's kind of implied that she takes an interesting guy and she's really gorgeous and and guy doesn't realize why and then someone says well she she wants to get close to buddy so she can so she's using you to get closer but that kind of thing there's all other, other characters are all horrible in it yeah you because know, it's dog eat dog yeah of course um so it's, it's yeah it's an interesting interesting piece interesting film and again as you said now it's even more yeah relatable with yeah. regards to Hollywood and how it is. Yeah, exactly. It's so competitive. Um, and yes, it's trying to be portrayed that, you know, more respect is being taken in the industry and, and blah, blah, blah. But really, certainly in Hollywood, you, you know, if you want to make it, you have to kind of... Push everyone else out of the way. Yeah. And, Think of uh, yourself. You know, Brown knows a few people and take take a few take a few hits. Yeah. <laughs> or paper clips. Yeah. Yeah. In this situation, but amazing. It, I mean, again, when you told me the basic plot, I sounded, oh, I'm genuinely intrigued by it. The trailer, even more so. So it is something definitely on my to do list. Mm. Um, massively. I found out about it through an old boss. <laughs> uh, when I was about 19, I was working as a barrister's clerk, and my boss. It was all in jest, you know. But he, you know, he used to ask, go, go, go and pick up my dry cleaning stuff like that, and. Uh, and he would say lines from the film to me. And one of the lines is, you're just a roof shingle. A roof shingle? Yeah, yeah. Which, I was like, what's a roof shingle? At the time, I didn't know what a roof shingle was. And a roof shingle was just a tile, you know, those tiles. And, yeah, yeah. And I can't remember exactly what he meant, but it was like just like every other shingle, you know. You're just <laughs> unimportant. Um, and that's the line, one of the lines that Kevin Spacey says. So, you're just a roof shingle. When I said, what are you talking about? He went, have you not seen Swimming with Sharks? And uh, I said, no, I went home and, and watched it and kind of understood what he meant. 
Um, didn't agree with Jerry. He did. He meant it in jest. But, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, we used to laugh and joke about the the lions. So many great lions in the film. Um, like I said, he, he says to one guy, "You're just going to become a shoe salesman. <laughs> you're nothing. <laughs> you're nothing. <laughs> I'm everything, and you're nothing. You're just going to become a shoe salesman." <laughs> so I, I highly recommend it. It's, you will laugh at this. Yeah. No, I definitely want to watch it. Um, okay, so that is the end of this week's show. Next week, we'll be back with a, another theme, a, another guest. Um, but until then, Luke, thank you very much for joining me once more. Very enjoyable to have you on the show again. We'll have you again Thanks in for me. soon. Um, but until then, have a week.